listening to Rumination Tuesday on this 2-22-22. That is February the 22nd, 2022. And we're going to take a look at a hymn and listen to it. It's called, O Wondrous Type, O Vision Fair. That's a hymn for today. the two, first two verses of O Wondrous Type, O Vision Fair. Guess what? We don't know the author's name. When William the Conqueror of Normandy assumed the rule of England soon after the Battle of Hastings in 1066, he began to replace the Anglo-Saxon bishops with Norman prelates. In 1078, Osmond of Normandy, he had given the southern English see of Salisbury, and he and his successors seem to have put together Celtic and Anglo-Saxon liturgy, resulting in the Sarum Rite, S-A-R-U-M. This elaborate rite formed much of the basis of Thomas Kramer's Book of Common Prayer. It is from the Serum Milu that this anonymous Latin hymn for the Transfiguration has come to us. And that's what we're going to be taking a look at uh, today. Well, Pastor Mark Smith, what's your thinking of O Wondrous Type, O Vision Fair? Well, it's a a great hymn for Transfiguration, and uh... I'm going to use it to to start off the service this Sunday. Uh, one mistake I made is I used the same melody for another hymn just last Sunday. Oh, love, how deep, how broad, how high. That uses the same melody, as you know. Uh, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with repeating. A, a, if it's a great melody, repeat it, you know. So yes. we're, we'll definitely use this this Sunday. Yes. In fact, I did a hymn last Sunday, and... It only had one note at the top, but then if you wanted to see the rest of them, it told you where to go. It was another hymn, and it had all the notes, but same melody. So I tell you, I think you and I spend quite a bit of time deciding what the hymns are going to be. Yes, I do. I do take some time. And uh, 
I'll tell you what, I don't take any chances. If if I don't know the melody, I, I, my, my secretary, what I used to do is I had my secretary, I cannot play the notes on the piano, but my secretary uh, used to have this uh, program where she could uh, play it on the computer and would give me just, just the melody of the hymn, simple melody, and I could right. tell right away whether it was going to be a bummer or not, you know, not... I'm 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 very careful in my choice of hymns, and I, I want them to support the uh, the readings or the theme of the day, and uh, uh, you know you don't just you don't just pick them out, you know just pick them, open the page, and say, oh, well, I'll pick this. I like this one. I like that one. No, it's uh, you you want something that will support the message. And uh, you like a rousing hymn. I always like to pick a rousing hymn, uh, especially for the beginning, as well as for the uh, as far as the final hymn. Um, and it all depends on the Sunday. Sure. Obviously, Transfiguration. You'd want the hymn somehow to be involved with that. Absolutely. And this one really is. It kind of gives the story. Uh, although I have a situation. We have decided to have a kind of a handbell choir, and they've been practicing, and they want to do it this Sunday to begin their handbell choir. And they're doing a kind of a Christmas hymn, Angels from the Realms of Glory, and uh -huh. we're going to do it at both services as the opening hymn. So that's going to be interesting. Well, yeah. We haven't had a handbell choir there. Yeah, we're we're starting our handbell choir up again, also at uh, at St. Really? Paul's out in Wildwood. They're starting. They're going to be practicing uh, after every Lenten service, and uh, we're going to be doing it uh, some of the holy days during uh, Holy Week. And glad to, glad to get that started again. All right. Without further ado, this anonymous hymn. At least we don't know who the author was originally. If you would read the first stanza. O wondrous type, O vision fair, of glory that the church may share, which Christ upon the mountain shows, where brighter than the sun he glows. First word I want to ask about is, what is meant by the word type? Type. I'll tell you. Uh, I I was thinking. What would I? What would I? What other word would I use? I would call a type is either a foreshadowing, or a foretelling instance, or like a like a, an instance of a prophetic instance or a foretelling instance. Uh, something something that foretells something. Usually something bigger on the horizon. Pointing forward to something, right. I kind of like the word example. Oh, yeah. wondrous example, because what the disciples experienced is what we're going to be experiencing on the day of judgment. Right. Uh, sometimes exa example is all right, but it almost it almost uh, conveys an equal thing. And usually I think of a type as being foretelling of something even greater. Yeah, that's probably a good point to make. Yeah. And what is a greater thing? Oh, vision fair of glory that the church can share. Right. What does that mean? What glory does the church share? 
Well, uh, the the glory the the glory that Jesus showed, he just showed us. He showed those three disciples just a glimpse, just a glimmer of his glory. You know, I, I don't think I don't think he could have withstood the full glory of him. But he he lifted the curtain just slightly to show them a, a glimpse of his glory, and that's that glory also is uh, prophetic or foretelling of the glory that the church will share when we're raised in glory on the last day. Yes, in fact, the text from Luke chapter 9, it talks about, now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. So the glory is referring to the glory of Jesus himself. Where yes. do we see that today? Well, we get uh, again, we get a glimpse of that in the sacrament. Very good. The Lord's Supper, especially. Right. right. And the glory of baptism, especially right. when we baptize an infant. Well, well said. That that's where Christ's glory comes to us. And how because about how about in holy absolution, Tom? Absolutely, because Explain what that means. What does what the congregation do before the pastor absolves them? The, the congregation confesses their sin, and the pastor assures them of the forgiveness of sin that God himself gives us. Yes. Uh, upon this, your confession, it begins. Right. So the pastor is dependent upon the confession of the people, and that's between a person and God as to whether or not it is a proper confession. And the only time it isn't is when the person is an unbeliever and just doing the things in the church right. so that everything seems to be okay, but yeah. they don't really believe any of it. Right. All right. I'll do stanza two. With Moses and Elijah Nye, the incarnate Lord builds converse high, and from the cloud the Holy One bears record to the only Son. So, what characters are mentioned in this particular verse? Well, Moses and Elijah both stood with Jesus on the top of that mount uh, during his transfiguration. And... Uh, you know, the art the artists that depict this, like the one that's going to be on the cover of our leaflet from Concordia Publishing House this Sunday, they depict Moses and Elijah uh, showing forth the same type of glory as Jesus. Um, what do you think of that? Do you think do you think that Moses and Elijah also showed the same? I, I think they probably showed the same type of glory in themselves as well, because they're they're you know they're uh, they're glorified. I would think uh, this mortal must put on immortality, to, and and cert certainly to stand there with Jesus and to hold converse with him, to talk to him. Um, what do you think, Tom? Do you think they showed the same? Do you think that Moses and Elijah uh, also showed forth the same type of glory? What do you think? Well, if you say that, you have to have a Bible verse to back it up. Mm -hmm. Let me read to you verse 30 and following. Okay. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, 
who appeared in glory. There you and go. Spoke of his departure. There you go. That that's a simple answer, isn't it? Well, sure. That's why we always use the Bible, Mark, <laughs> to back us up. <laughs> yeah, I should have consulted the the, the lesson, Tom. You're right. Yes, uh, it's Transfiguration Sunday, Mark. Yeah, it is helpful to look at the scriptures. <laughs> well, particularly when it's in different gospels. Yeah. You get, because um, one may not say not, it, the other might. Well, the glory of Jesus is so bright. It says in another place that no launderer could have done his clothes that white. Right. That's right. So. Scripture interprets Scripture, but I there's another thing about Moses and Elijah, and this really helps answer a question. Are they introduced to the disciples? No. no. The disciples seem to recognize them as they see them. Yes. Which, which also, I always use that. I always use that as an indicator, too. Will we know our loved ones in heaven? Will we know other people in heaven that we, when we see them in heaven? I, I take that passage of uh, Moses and Elijah in, as to be indicative of we will, we will recognize others in heaven, even though they'll have, we'll have glorified bodies. and We don't know what, what exactly that means, but uh, we will see our loved ones in heaven and recognize them readily. Yes, and I, I mentioned that in the sermon, that I'm with four congregations right now, but I haven't been there when I was 21 years old. I look quite differently when I was 21 as people, as they grow older, change their appearance. So yeah, what you appearance sure have, am I going I to have when I'm in heaven that they're going to be able to recognize me? The people today in the congregation, if do you think you're going to be what? Like 21 years old in heaven, or what age? <laughs> I would hope it's in my prime. <laughs> Tom, I was looking at some old pictures of you uh, from back in the, I think well, it was we don't probably need to get into that in, stuff. in the 70s. Continue. And you are right. With, uh, they they would not instead. recognize you. <laughs> yes. I was really ugly then, whereas now I'm really handsome. Okay. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> well, you were Stands you were in pretty good three. shape when you were playing when you were playing tennis, you know, back in the seventies. Yeah, we Concordia Lobbers, we called ourselves. Yeah. Stanza three, please. Okay. With shining face and bright array, Christ deigns to manifest today what glory shall be theirs above who joy in God with perfect love. Now, that's an interesting. What was the word deign mean? Christ deigns to man. Um, that's a good question. Let's see. How would I... Christ deigns. I would say he decides. Um, he, 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 he decides. Yeah, I think you're right. He decides to manifest today. Um that word manifest, it comes from the word epiphany. Right. That's what the word epiphany means. So God, God and man made manifest, yes. Is transfiguration part of epiphany? Uh, yeah, I'd say it's the ultimate. It's the last Sunday of the epiphany. 
okay. yeah, I think it's I think it's really the the full culmination of his manifestation. Because each of the readings during the previous week has Jesus doing something right. to manifest that he is divine, not just human. Like changing water into wine makes him divine. Right. And uh, the fish that they caught. Uh, the disciples were unaware that this meant that he was God and didn't figure that out until after the resurrection. Yeah. So he decides to manifest today what glory shall be theirs. So right. that goes back to your point that Moses and Elijah had a glory and that we're going to have that also. And what's Lord interesting, him. Tom, is uh, uh, we kind of skipped over this, but it, it, uh, he holds he holds converse high with Moses and Elijah. He he converses with them about what about his departure that he will make in the coming days, or his exodus, as you always say. That's the very word that's used. Yes. His departure. His departure from uh, is it when he says departure. Is he talking about his death on the cross, or is he talking about his uh, ascension? What do you think? I would suggest that Elijah and Moses, all they all both are aware of his crucifixion. Remember, it's in Psalm. Right. Pierced in hands and feet. They're also aware of his resurrection, and they're also aware of his ascension into heaven. So I think it involves all of them. Yes, that's right, what I'm talking I about. Yeah, I think that's but, a safe position to take. Yes. Yes. And um, it's interesting at the end of this text, verse 36, and they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Now, why did the disciples keep silent about it? Well, hmm, I'm trying to think. Well, in another text, Jesus tells them not to tell anyone. Right. He he does that a lot. Yes. And I I well, I I think I think it's because uh, he doesn't want he doesn't want to uh he doesn't want to start anything before he goes to the cross. He doesn't yes. want anything anything to impede his going to the cross and atoning and his atoning work. And he's afraid if the disciples start spreading this word, that's going to maybe uh, maybe get the his enemies, his adversaries wound up. Yes. And right. uh, might might before the time uh, try to kill him. And remember, at that point, they would not have a proper interpretation of this transfiguration. Right, they wouldn't know. Things were brought back to their remembrance after the resurrection. And yes. one can only imagine how they felt with Jesus giving promises. Yes, I'll die, but then I will rise again. And yeah. hardly anybody believed that. Yeah. And do you remember the opening verses of John's gospel? He said, he testifies, we have seen his glory. 
the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So it made an impact on him. John wrote his gospel last of all the of all the disciples, and he he recalled seeing that glory, and he makes mention of that in the opening verses of his gospel. And that glory is found in the various miracles that Jesus did, like the right. feeding of the 5,000, etc. Right. That was a glorious thing, but misinterpreted by many thinking he was going to be a bread king right. here on earth. Yeah, that's what they so, wanted. The messianic secret is what we've been talking about, that Jesus indicates to a number of people, don't go around and say what has happened to you. And I find that interesting. He heals somebody and tells them not to tell anybody, and then they go right on and tell everybody. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, isn't that something? Well, that's something that we do. Uh, How many people go through suffering, even with the virus and such, come through it, and then they share their faith that Jesus helped bring them through that virus. Or if they have loved ones that didn't get through it, Jesus still helped them to get to heaven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, I'll read four. And faithful hearts are raised on high by the great vision's mystery, for which in joy full strains we raise the voice of prayer, the hymn of praise. Now, the word mystery... Remember how Jerome translates that? Uh, Let's see. Mysterium? No. Mysterium or sacramentum? That's it. Yes. In Latin, it becomes the sacrament. Yeah. And so, in a sense, the sacrament, as you pointed out with the absolution, is when God comes to us in his glory, and he certainly is there on the Mount of Transfiguration. Yes. You know, it's kind of interesting how the hymn writer does that, whoever he was. Uh, you know, he, 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 we don't know which mountain this was. Some think it was Mount Hermon. It was a very high mountain. And, uh, but, and, 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 uh, and faithful hearts are raised on high. That's, that's the, the art of writing a hymn. You know, we're talking about a high mountain, but he also says this this very instance, this uh, this transfiguration raises our hearts, lifts us up as if we're on a high mountain by his great visions, by this great vision's mystery. I kind of talk that way when people come to worship, that when they come into a church to worship, they're actually going to see the temple of God, which is none other than Jesus himself. And therefore, that's how they are raised on high, particularly with the beginning of the service, reminding them of their baptism, and then the absolution, and then moving into what the angels sing in the shepherds. Yeah, in fact, Tom, as we begin the communion liturgy, what do we say? Lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Right. And that's really part of what the Bible says. The liturgy is filled with biblical imagery. And it's always a good thing to go through the liturgy to help people understand what is being said. 
All right. Final verse, stanza five, please. Yeah, and this is a doxological verse in the hymnal. It's got a triangle in front of it, which tells us to stand because it talks about the whole Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, with the eternal Son and Holy Spirit, ever one, we pray thee, bring us by thy grace to see thy glory face to face. Yes, and the thys are singular. In other words, yes. Although all of them are three different persons, right? They're still one, which That's is right. said at the end uh, or at the middle of that particular verse. Yeah, we call so, this Tom. Don't we call this the beatific vision? The beatific vision is when we see God face to face. Uh, this mortal must put on immortality uh, uh, before we before we can actually uh, st- stand before His full glory, and and that will of course take place in the final culmination of His heavenly kingdom when He raises us in glory and He takes us to that new heaven and new earth. I like reminding people of Isaiah six, where Isaiah sees a vision of yes. God and thinks he's going to die. Yes. Because you don't see God and live. But then an angel takes a coal from the altar and touches the lips of Isaiah and says, You're absolved of your sin. And yeah. then Isaiah says, Send me, send me. And it shows the difference between living under the law, where you're afraid of God, in contrast to living under the gospel, when you recognize that he has justified you. So we're really justified even before Judgment Day. We're regarded as saints. Yeah, I would. uh, Wouldn't you compare that same vision that Isaiah had in Isaiah 6 when he saw the Ancient of Days and wouldn't you compare that also with this type of vision that the, the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, saw of Jesus' transfiguration? Yes. In fact, um, the one other one I use is the two miracles of catching fish. The one at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Peter said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. And yeah. the miracle at after the resurrection when John told Peter, it is the Lord on the beach, yeah. Peter jumped into the water to swim to Jesus. And so again, a distinction between law and gospel. Under the law, depart from me. I'm not good enough to be in your presence. But under the gospel, we swim to Jesus. We go to worship and we take his very body and blood in the Holy yeah. Sacrament. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, the wrong way to ask the question is, how many times do I have to take the Lord's Supper? That's, un- that's under the law. Uh, the, when you're under the gospel, it's how often can I take it? Yes. Yes. It's, it's no longer something you have to do. It's something you desire to do because exactly. of the Holy Spirit within you. Exactly. It really, really makes a difference. Yeah. Okay. God bless you.
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.